Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tonight's episode was one that really left me quite speechless, and not because it was action-packed or anything special like that or cool and fun flashy, but because of the level of world-building and the advancement of my new favorite characters, which are Balin Skull and Shin Hathi, and the little easter eggs and clues that were included in this episode that you may not find the first time or maybe even the second time watching. But with the help of the chat in the live streams or in the watch party, I really was able to come up with a lot of different theories and a lot of different things that were going on in this episode. So without further ado, let's get to this absolute banger of an episode, which really provides so much world building or rather intergalactic building within Star Wars. So right off the bat, the episode starts off with the Pergil going through intergalactic hyperspace travel. As we see, the hyperspace aura is a little bit different here. Now, with all the colors of the rainbow added, this kind of really shows you that they're traveling at a different speed or into a different dimension or whatever it might be. It's a little more special than just regular punch it, Chewie, and going into hyperspace. Ahsoka and Hu Yang kill time as they travel in the mouth of the Pergil. She tells Hu Yang that Sabine betrayed them by going with Thrawn and essentially allowing the war to happen with Thrawn coming in. They discuss how Sabine is selfish, and Hu Yang starts telling her about the story of the Pergil that he used to tell the younglings. He starts off with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and of course this is at the start of every Star Wars movie. However, here it's used, which kind of gives me a reminder to how Star Wars was originally written, which many of you may not know about. Now, originally Star Wars was going to be from the Journal of the Wills, and from the point of view of the Wills. Now, the Wills were these gods, these deities that watched the past events of the Skywalker story as kind of like a history show and data records. So I thought that was fun. So after this, we don't see Ahsoka or Hu Yang for the rest of the episode, and we move on to Balin, Sabine, Elsbeth, and of course, Thrawn. Sabine wakes up in Elsbeth's ship, in shackles, as Balin comes to the door. She feels like a prisoner as he walks away when she's yelling that they had a deal. Clearly, the situation is changing, and he has altered the deal. Pray he doesn't alter it any further. As they arrive out of intergalactic hyperspace, we see Peridia. This is the first homeworld 
of the Night Sisters. Now, I've got a video coming out in a day or two about the Night Sisters for you guys, and they are a completely different breed. They're not like Jedi or anything. So if you didn't watch the Clone Wars, you might be a little bit confused, but don't worry, I got you. These evil witches that we met on Dathomir came originally from this planet here, Peridia, which the Jedi used to talk about as some sort of a fantasy. This planet has a ring around it. Now, this ring isn't just asteroids like Saturn, but rather it's the bones of the Pergil who came here to die. And as they perished in space, their bones get sucked into the pull of the gravitational field of the planet to create its ring. As they enter a small escape pod ship kind of thing to travel down to the planet, Balin, Shin, Elsbeth, and Sabine all move together. We see the creepy geography of the planet. And I gotta say, I'm getting crazy Dune vibes, crazy alien vibes. It looks really, really historic and ancient. And, like I said, creepy. Perfect time for Halloween. There are these massive screaming witch stone statues that remind me of the Old Republic that can be seen as tall as the clouds as they're landing and dipping below the horizon. As they land atop a platform, we see these three witches of Peridia. These are not Night Sisters. These are the grandmothers, you know, like Mother Talzin, who was Darth Maul's mother and, you know, the mother of many other Night Sisters. These are the ones that are like the original, very powerful, very dangerous mothers of Peridia. They welcome Elsbeth, and we learn that these are the great mothers of Peridia. They are very high in command and very powerful, and it makes me wonder if she's even more powerful than Mother Talzin, if any of them are more powerful than Mother Talzin. I would imagine, perhaps, you know, considering that this is kind of like the origin of them, but I guess, you know, we have to wait and see. I think personally that we're going to maybe get Mother Talzin resurrected on Dathomir if they actually make it there. They sent Sabine as a Jedi and banish her to the lower levels, imprisoning her. And as she turns while being confined, she yells to Balin the whereabouts of Ezra. And at this point, he seems kind of conflicted. I think Balin is ready to break, and he feels really bad for how much they're kind of pushing him to do things that he doesn't really want to do. Personally, in this episode, I found out that, you know, we found a lot about Balin, but I don't think he really cares all that much about Thrawn or anyone. I think mainly he's just here because there's something greater beyond this planet that he's trying to learn about. And we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. Balin and Shin look out to the horizon. He says, this is a land of dreams and madness. She says she knows no such story stories, and we confirm that she wasn't raised at the Jedi Temple. This place is a place of ancient stories and legends, ones that were told at the Jedi Temple. Balin tells Shin about Order 66 and how he watched the temple burn. So he was there, or you know, just outside of it, and he says he couldn't make sense of it at the time. Could you imagine being a Jedi and seeing your home, the Jedi Temple, a place which supposedly is the most powerful place in the galaxy with the most powerful beings? Kind of like a shrine, literally a temple. It's now in flames. How did this happen? How did these beings who were able to see into the future allow this to happen? The Shroud of the Dark Side has fallen. Balin seems hurt. He seems angry. I feel he hates Vader for what happened. He hates the Emperor. He talks about how the Jedi and their fall are a cycle that seemed to repeat itself. How with their fall, an empire rises, and it's a constant cyclical cycle that seems to continuously happen, and he is very tired of it. He says he seeks the beginning, not the end of the cycle, but he seeks to end the cycle. He feels that that beginning is here on Peridia. If the old stories are true, this will indeed be the fresh start that he is looking for. The beginning can also be interpreted as the beginning, which is the son and father and daughter of Mortis. They were the beginning of the universe, some would say. Something is clearly calling out to Balin. 
and he senses its power, but he doesn't know what it is. Personally, I think it's the sun, and I've got a pretty good theory about it. The embodiment of the dark side is the sun, if you didn't know. I got a full video about him, or you can go and watch The Clone Wars. Balin Skoll is his full name, and Skoll is the Norse wolf who chases the sun. Then, at minute 24 in this episode, when Sabine takes off, she sees some sort of a bat-like creature. The sun transformed into a giant bat when he tried to overpower Anakin by making him choose between Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. Sabine finally questions her actions and tries to use the force to open the door. When she fails and sees the rumbling that she thought was her power, which really wasn't, it was the nearing of Thrawn's ship, plated with gold like Elsbeth's ship. Now, the plating of gold has some symbolism here. All right, this is the art of Kintsuki, which is the mastery of breaking something apart and putting it back together with gold, a masterful Japanese art. Now it's renewed and better than ever before. This is kind of like Kylo Ren's helmets that we saw in The Rise of Skywalker, if you want to go that far. As they all come out to meet Thrawn, we see a lineup of stormtroopers. In my opinion, all dead and resurrected from the Great Mother Witches, much like Maroc. So these dudes are long gone, and you can kind of see that by, of course, you know, their overall armor being cracked and having gold imbued in the cracks, but also the red tape. This is the red thread that the Night Sisters used, that the Mothers used, and this is kind of like their magic. Thrawn enters the scene and introduces Enoch, his captain and right-hand man, who wears a golden face like a samurai warrior's armor in the art of Kintsugi. I believe he is also the undead. I don't think any of these guys are actually living, from a certain point of view at least. Thrawn says he has an agreement with the Great Mothers, and I believe this agreement was their help to resurrect his undead army, and for him to help transport their dead Night Sisters to Dathomir so they can be resurrected and control the world once again in that galaxy. Thrawn and Elsbeth talk of the catacombs. These are the dead of the witch family. I think, at least. What else could be in there? The Night Sisters. Thrawn knows Balin Skull immediately by his name. He says, Who is this guy? And he says, I am Balin Skull. He's like, Oh, General Skull. This means that Balin was so famous during the Clone Wars that he was one heck of a powerful and gifted Jedi during the time of the Republic, that even Thrawn knows who he is. Sabine and Thrawn meet, and he thanks her for his escape from exile. He grants her a mount named Howler, kind of this rat-dog beast. It kind of reminds me of the Vader comics where Vader ended up on this distant planet after A New Hope, when the Death Star exploded and he had to fight these sort of space lion hyenas. So anyways, they give Sabine a mount, some blasters, and her lightsaber, along with the latest intel on Ezra's whereabouts. Now he warns that once they depart, she'll be stranded here on this planet forever. So she goes and rides to the location that they point her in, and Thrawn uses Ezra as bait. Now, how Thrawn hasn't found Ezra in this whole time, I'm confused since he's on the same planet, but, you know, maybe Ezra's just not using the Force and maybe just hiding himself really well. I don't know. Thrawn tells Shin and Balin once Sabine finds Thrawn, they are ordered to destroy Ezra and Sabine. And this is where we see a crack in Shin. It seems like Shin has a problem with this. She looks to her master and asks why he's not honoring his promise to her. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 
She seems unsettled with the order that Thrawn has given them. And I personally think that she will turn to the light fully and maybe help Sabine, especially after Balin dies at the hands of Thrawn, which we're going to hear about at the very end of the episode. Sabine rides and gets hunted by nomads, essentially like samurai sand people of this world. She uses her skills as a Mandalorian with her Beskar protecting her, until she ignites her green lightsaber and makes quick work of the nomads. As we see Shin and Balin go after her on their mounts, which one is light and one is dark, ironically, since Balin's last name is Skull, which is the white wolf chasing the sun, and Hattie is the dark wolf chasing the moon, it's foreshadowing, I think, showing their story. Perhaps Balin's will end up dark and grim and he'll die, and Shin will end up alive and in the light. The night troopers, they're called, not stormtroopers, or the undead troopers, haul crates into Thrawn's ship. These are what I think could be the bodies of dead night sisters, as I said, that will be taken to Dathomir to be resurrected by the great mothers now that they have a way out of this place with that massive hyperspace ring. Now, if you combine the words Night Sister and Night Troopers, you can kind of tell that, you know, they obviously had something to do with bringing these guys back to life, considering stormtroopers aren't around anymore and the Empire is long gone. Enoch tells Thrawn that Balin and Shin have gone for Sabine, and Thrawn tells him to send two squads to help him. He tells Elsbeth that he doesn't do this for Shin, Balin, Ezra, or Sabine. He doesn't care about them. He only cares to escape this place. So we're getting a glimpse into how practical Thrawn is and how callous. Sabine is angry at the Howler, which to me was a little odd because the dog has now loyalty to her. You know, he shouldn't really, as he hasn't bonded with her. So I found this scene a little bit interesting, but I guess dogs will be dogs even in space and other dimensions. Howler sniffs something and starts licking a rock, which turns out to be a noti. This is a turtle, crab, snail kind of thing that's wearing a rebel insignia, which he recognizes on Sabine, and then she recognizes on him. They take her to Ezra, and it's evident that Ezra gave the turtle people the rebel logo. Balin and Shin find the remains of the nomads that Sabine destroyed, and for me this was probably the most interesting part of the entire episode, and really, to be honest, one of the most interesting parts of Star Wars since Disney has acquired it. I find these two characters to be extremely compelling and just interesting overall, where I want to learn more and more about them, especially considering the fact that they're coming from the time of the Clone Wars, well at least Balin is, and Shin, I believe, this is just my theory, I'll make a video about this, is actually half Night Sister. And I saw this in the chat, someone said that she might be a Night Sister, and you know what, I could actually see that happening. Anyways, this moment here, this scene was really awesome. I rewinded it like 50 times during the um, the live stream breakdown. So if you were there, shout out to you. But she asks if he knows about Ezra, and Balin says no, he's young, trained as a Jedi after the temple fell, kind of like a nomad or something. She says, like me, where he replies, no, you were not trained to be Jedi. You were trained to be more than that. This once again confirms that she was not born around the time of the Jedi or Order 66, but rather, I think she was born after. I think she was trained to be more of a Jedi for sure, but I also think she might be part Night Sister, and maybe one day she'll be a Dark Force user with magical powers. Personally, I think maybe Balin got jiggy with a Night Sister. Maybe even Elsbeth. I don't know. And this is their kid. She asks her master if he misses the order, and the music changes to a very holy choir. It's a very beautiful scene. He says he misses the idea of it, but not the truth, not the weakness. There was no future there, he says. 
This is because the Jedi were once very pure. However, the time of the Republic really clouded the minds of the Jedi, especially Yoda. And for this, they became so disillusioned with politics and fighting a war they had no place in at the behest and command of the politicians being played like puppets. They were once keepers of the peace, but now they were just soldiers. They were pawns in Palpatine's game. Many Jedi felt distanced from the Order, like Count Dooku who left, and Qui-Gon Jinn who didn't care to have a seat on the Council despite being a master. And I think this is what Thrawn was alluding to when Balin said he was once a Jedi, but he left the Jedi Order. And Thrawn was like, as have many others. And I think he was talking about Anakin and Vader, since he knew what happened to Anakin. He had his suspicions. Balin loved the idea of the Jedi being heroic, caring, but didn't like the weakness of their inability to see a larger view of the Force, and how they feared to use the Force to its full extent, because let's be real, the Jedi did fear it. Much like what Palpatine spoke of, however, in my opinion, Palpatine used the Force to his gain, to the dark side, he bent it to his will, whereas Balin uses it in a more neutral standing, kind of like a darker Qui-Gon Jinn, or more free Qui-Gon Jinn. Hence his orange blade, not quite blood red, not quite yellow or blue. Balin thinks he can find the truth that he seeks in this wasteland, as Shin calls it. He sees a future here. He sees what once was the great witch kingdom of Dathomir. And Shin says they seem eager to leave this place, which is true. If the mothers want to leave this place so badly, then why does Balin want to stay? And Balin says something very profound. He says, perhaps they fear a power greater than their own. He tells Shin that he feels something here, something calling him. This place, I think, is a gateway into the Mortis Ark, into the gods. This place calls to him because, like his last name that searches for the sun, the son of Mortis is calling him and reaches to him beyond the magic of the witches. Bandits appear atop the hill, and we switch scenes to Sabine, who goes to the Noti village with her new friends and meets Ezra. The two hug, and he says that he can't wait to get out of here. You know, that scene changes because clearly she's got a lot to say. Thrawn speaks with the Great Mothers. They say the thread of fate has spoken to them. Ahsoka is coming riding the whales. Thrawn seems upset and realizes it's Ahsoka. Unless they're, you know, they're trolling us all and it's like another Jedi too, like Luke or something, but I don't think they'll do that again. He reveals that death and resurrection are common denominators of Jedi and Night Sisters. Elsbeth says Balin assured her death, and Thrawn turns his back on Balin, saying he's also a former Jedi and that he's flawed. So I think Thrawn will kill Balin, and Shin will turn to the light side and join Sabine to kill Thrawn for killing who I think is her dad. Thrawn asks the Great Mothers for once again requiring the aid of dark magic. So what does he mean by once again? So I believe the first instance was with creating his undead army of stormtroopers, the Night Troopers. Now it's time for them to create some crazy rival to stop Ahsoka. I think they could create Darth Maul or Vader or someone like a Joris Sabayoth kind of thing like an heir to the Empire, but just really ruthless and powerful to stop Ahsoka, or both. And I think the way they can do this is by resurrecting someone from the dead. I don't know how they're going to do that here on this planet. I don't know who it could be, but we have seen stuff like this done in the comics, and we have seen stuff like this done in the Clone Wars, where they literally enhanced Savage Press into this massive titan. And then, of course, when he died, he turned into this, like, very meek, shriveled dude. We've also seen in the comics where Vader and Maul fought each other, and these sort of spirits, these 
like priests almost were able to, bishops were almost able to bring back Maul from the dead, or rather like an apparition of him, and full-on fought Vader, and you know, like it messed him up too, but it was kind of an interesting battle because it really showed Vader how much he hates himself, and at the end of the day that was really what Palpatine was trying to evoke in him and make him realize. It was a really cool comic. I highly suggest you guys check it out. I've made a video on it and uh, I'll pop it up on the screen here if you want to see it. Now, we must also remember maybe it's not the sun that is speaking to Balin. Maybe it's the Bendu. The creature from Rebels that's kind of like in the middle of everything. He has no say in how the galaxy moves, but rather just sits in the middle of the Force. Not the light, not the dark. And his last words to Thrawn were, you'll be surrounded with many arms surrounding you in a cold embrace, or something like that. So I think he already saw Thrawn's death, and perhaps Thrawn will be around, you know, perhaps all of his troopers as his ship goes down or something where, you know, a cold embrace is kind of like cold, like the dead. And I think that's what he might have meant by that. And we end the episode. So, fantastic episode. Personally, I think next episode, episode 7, will entail Sabine telling Ezra what actually happened. He'll probably be super upset that she even talked with Thrawn. She will most likely learn about what happened with him and Thrawn as well. And maybe there's like a truce between them or, you know, we don't know what happened with those guys for the last several years. The Great Mothers will create a new Force user, or a fighter, to combat and stop Ahsoka, as Thrawn seemed pretty worried and upset. Balin will get eliminated by Thrawn's army, or perhaps this new fighter. Shin will join Ahsoka and Sabine, and Ezra may open a path to the world between worlds where they could jump into. Or he'll unlock some crazy powers that we haven't seen before. Overall, the episode was one of my favorites. I really loved how much they're building, and there's exposition, and mainly the story between Balin and Shin. I think these two guys are, guy and girl, are really fascinating characters that I'd love to learn more about, and to see more of Balin's point of view, because it kind of expands our ability to understand the different points of view of all the different Jedi, and how Order 66 affected them, and how they really view the Jedi now that they're out of it. You know, and it seems like Balin almost feels like the Jedi held him back, much like Anakin did. He loved the idea of it, but not the weakness. And I'd love to expand more upon that in the next two episodes. We have two episodes left, guys, so I'm really excited to get to these. I can't wait to do more to watch parties with you. And I hope you guys enjoyed today's breakdown. So thanks so much for watching. Leave a like on the video before you head out. And I'll see you all in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you always.